What the frig? Wow, that was genuinely concerning. I did not. I was not a fan of that one. Uh, h- hello, welcome to uh, today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am one of the hosts, Joshua Tracy, uh, and I'm Corwin Heller. I just, I just kind of live here. Yeah, yeah. He, he's the guy that just happens to be in the Discord server when we start these recordings. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I just, I am always here and. Josh just kind of comes on to talk sometimes, and I don't really know what we talk about, but I'm here. And that's the minimum qualifications required to be a part of this show. Um, so yeah, we're talking. Let's talk some some sports then, buddy. Since we're both here at the same time, uh, I guess let's start with uh, with 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 lesser topics. Uh, NHL currently going to Game Six on Monday after the Stars double OT winner last night. Have you watched any games from the finals? No. I have not watched a hockey game since uh, since the Pens got knocked out. Oh, a true fan. Right. You know, it's just how it be. Uh, great game last night, I have to say. I did stay up for the entirety of it, and I slept so late today as a direct consequence of that. But, man, that's fun. I am still rooting passively for the lightning um aka rangers south but i really can't be that mad Eh, the only reason i would be i'll be mad if the stars win is because that then means that Corey perry wins and fuck that guy so yeah for real honestly fuck Corey perry and if you are listening to this podcast and don't watch hockey all you really need to know about Corey perry is fuck Corey Perry, and that'll get you pretty far. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's game. That's game. Game six should be taking place on Monday. So maybe we'll talk about if there's any result from there um, on the Thursday edition. As of right now, it is Sunday, September twenty seventh, ten thirty in the morning. So there's no football games morning. to talk about yet. Um, Lightning currently lead the Stars uh, three to two in the series. Uh, that brings us over to the NBA, where the Lakers just boo hoo 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 blasted the Denver's la- the, the Denver's the Nuggets last night um, to win the series four to one, advance to the finals, and are awaiting the result of the Miami Celtics game. I hate saying that. Um, as the uh, Heat currently lead that series three to two, looking for a potential all LeBron. Uh, rematch or, or all LeBron former team NBA Finals Lakers Heat. Um, have you been watching any basketball? Uh, I basically stayed up to like two AM last night, just rewatching all of the different, um, all of the different highlights from the game last night. Because uh, I mean, the listeners who have listened to us talk about basketball in any capacity before know that. We do not watch basketball. We don't know what we're talking about most of the time when it comes to on-the-field kind of uh, strategy or game planning, team construction, whatever. But, oh, my God. we like I wanted to talk about this just so that we can talk about how good LeBron James is. Because he took over that game in you know a series where he was playing with, you know, some of the top players in the NBA, some absolute, you know, slugfests. LeBron's 
35 years old in year 17. And he basically was just dad dicking the rest of the, the players on the court. And it was unbelievable to watch. Um, like at one point with like three minutes left in the game, he went on, you know, himself scored nine straight points to put the uh, nuggets away. And it wasn't exactly, you know, easy shots, open looks like he was just, he will not be stopped when he's in this playoff, you know, focused mindset. And I just, I don't know how to compare him to anybody else. Um, it's just incredible. And, you know, we should seriously appreciate the kind of, the kind of uh, appreciation we should have for, you know, being able to watch this player, not even in his prime, but, you know, building on his legacy. And uh, it's incredible. Yeah, I find LeBron James to be one of the most fascinating sports personalities to discuss um, for like every single reason that you would possibly consider to talk about an athlete. Um, Let me start with this question. What is more uh, astonishing that LeBron James has is, is going to have gone to 10 NBA finals? Or that that means that he has missed seven of them. Uh, it's that he's gone to ten of them now, uh, and he's missed like one in the past nine years. Which I is think no, I, I I think it's like straight. Has he? Oh, no, well, his, his, he missed one because the Lakers were. He was hurt in the Lakers playoffs. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Um, I, that. I mean, that being said, like it's it's still incredible. And it's still at a point where, you know, it's, it is nutty how good he is at, you know, building this team and, or not, what am I trying to say? At always bringing the rest of his team up to the level where it is hard to go to a NBA championship. You know, he was talking about it after the game last night. It's, it's 30 guys every year that have a chance to go to the, the finals. And LeBron just happens to always be one of those 30 guys. Um, and it's, I just, I think it's absolutely insane how, uh, how he's done it. And, uh, you know, he's played on some dog shit teams in the past. Don't get me wrong. You know, those <coughs> Cleveland. Early Cleveland. Yeah. Those early Cleveland teams were unbearable. You know, his first year on the Lakers, that wasn't exactly the, the best team, but man, it's just so impressive going to 10 straight finals. Yeah, or not 10 straight, yeah, but that 10 means, finals. 10, yeah, I know what you mean. That uh, lo- that inherently also means that LeBron James will have been uh, a player in 13.5% of all NBA finals in history, which is also stupid. Oh, absolutely. Um, Real quick aside, um, and I mean stupid in a, in a, in a good way, right, not like yeah. he's wrong for having been this fucking good. Uh LeBron James has has led the NBA in shockingly few things throughout his career, which I'm not saying it matters at all. Just I'm surprised about because he he is like I mean one A or one B depending on who you you want to argue for for the greatest of all time. Um, but he has only led NBA in minutes played per game uh, three times. He's led in assists per game once. That was actually this season. Um, and then he led in points per game once in 2007, 2008. And then that's it, which is uh, 
I don't know. It, maybe I'm just used to to baseball where, like, you know, every player, every like really good player, will have one weird season where they lead in like three things, mm-hmm. um, and it's just not the same in basketball. But uh, it is odd to look at. You know, like the thing that makes LeBron great, you know, is his ability to do and excel at just about everything. everything. Yeah. You know, um, God, you got to remember, like there are an insane amount of uberly talented NBA players. And, you know, the, the it's not like, uh, you know, MLB where, you know, you can lead all players in pitching stats and hitting stats. You can lead uh, the AL, you could lead the NL, and those things still do come up on, uh, you know, baseball reference and whatnot. You know, the NBA, I don't know if NBA or basketball reference breaks it down to East and West Conference, but I don't think it does. Um, so that, you know, I don't think it does either. To do with it. Uh, yeah. But still, you know, like, if you look at his total numbers, he probably should have, like, five or six MVP trophies. You know, he's earned five or six, but it comes down to the fact that, Oh, you know, he's won so many, you know, this guy's up and coming, LeBron, he'll win another one, you know, we'll give it to this guy this year, and you can, we can discuss, you know, the fairness of that, I almost said fairity, and I'm so glad I caught myself, Uh, the fairness of guys getting their due or whatever, um, instead of giving it to, you know, the actual best statistical player in the NBA, that's always going to be a a topic of discussion so yeah you know again not huge basketball guys but goddamn, you just need to just revel in lebron james and his legacy yeah i want to read out his uh his awards and accomplishments super quick and then i guess i want to well let, let's close on 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 a, on a brief overview of lebron james because i do have one other thing to to talk about um 16 time all-star uh he was the 2019 2020 ast champ no idea what that means um yeah, 16-time All-NBA. He was the uh, 0304 All-Rookie, three-time Finals MVP, 0304 Rookie of the Year, 0708 Scoring Champ, three-time NBA Champ, six-time All-Defense, three-time All-Star MVP, and four-time League MVP. Damn. Yeah. It's just yeah. a stupid amount of stuff. It's, it's, yeah, it's fucking stupid. People always give him shit like, oh, three, six mafia. Cause he's been to nine, only won three of them. You gotta remember like he's lost, I think two or three times to golden state where they were the best dynasty that baseball seen since the 90 basketball, you know, mid nineties bulls, you know? Yeah. Um, and he's run into some, crazy good teams over the years and he's been on some crazy good teams over the years and i hate that it it you know these kind of discussions always come down to championships like oh brady has six rings that's the biggest thing or you know joe montana won four or five rings michael jordan won six rings lebron james only won three are you kidding me fucking scrub it's like it's a team sport it's a team sport you can't i hate when you know, it comes down to those kinds of arguments because uh, it's just, it's, I know you and I, you and I once gave Skylar's dad shit because he was saying that rings mattered. And that was his reason why Brady was better than Manning, which if you want to argue Brady being better than Manning, you can do so. The rings isn't a factor. 
Uh, and you and I were saying, does that make Tarod Taylor a better quarterback than uh, uh, Dan Marino? Since Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl ring and Tarod Taylor has a Super Bowl ring. He was like, well, Dan Marino is a fucking scrub. Well, you know, that's all the same. Like, yeah, no, but like, that's the entire crux of your other argument. So if that's how you want to roll, you got to be consistent. Um, but anyway, uh, one of the other weirdest things about LeBron James, and then I, I, I guess we can move on unless you have anything else, is that he is so hated. I've never seen someone like, like, people, myself included, hate Tom mm-hmm. Brady. You know, but like they put him up at the top of the list. I I loathe Tom Brady. He's top five quarterback all time, depending on how you want to shake out the list. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, yeah. I hate saying it even, but it's like it's it's. I'm going to say top three. I'm going to leave it there. Um, because because you can't argue with it. There's no no real. I mean, passion. Absolutely, I hate him with a passion, but I, I don't hate his, his, his stats. They're, they're there. They're real. They're tangible. LeBron James though. Oh my God. Like I was uh, talking to some coworkers the other day and, um, because they were talking about the NBA finals. Like, do you like basketball? And I was like, I watch basketball if it's on. Um, and they were like, who are you rooting for? I was like, Oh, I don't care anyone about the Celtics. Cause you know, fuck Boston. Boston. Um, and my coworkers are like, ah, anybody but LeBron James. I hate LeBron James. He's the worst. Why? And like, that's the thing. I don't want to get into it because this is a new job. And I'm not trying to ruffle feathers. <laughs> but um, it always feels like people either love LeBron James or fucking despise LeBron James. And I, and don't get me wrong. Like, there's a lot more pageantry in basketball than there is in other sports. So you know. I, I, some people might say like, ah, oh, he whines too much. Yeah, but like everybody in the NBA whines because you get rewarded for it. It's the same thing you see in soccer. It's the same thing you're seeing a lot more of nowadays in the NFL with uh, the very ticky-tacky DPI rules. Like it, It's a behavior that gets rewarded in sports, so therefore you see more of it. That is not unique to LeBron James. Um, oh, he's not as good as everyone says he is. Yo, no, he's better than everyone says he is. Uh, I mean, like, I don't get how you can even look at his his career and not say that he is every bit as good, if not better, than everybody says he is. And um, now, look, does he does he have some relatively uh, recent inconsistent views on the world? Maybe, but he seems like a great dude. Seems like a great dad. He started a a a, a school for for underprivileged kids in his hometown, um, and he seems like he's doing. He was a great friend. To, to a lot of dudes who, who you know, had come-ups in the league. Like, he seems like a great guy. I get his view on China was kind of off-putting to some people, but at the same time, like, we are we are a full portrait of a human being. We are not just small brushstrokes. Like, he seems like a great dude. So I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I was not wanting to bring up the whole China aspect because... Yeah, that's pretty fucking brutal, you know. Um, and it's it is a major stain in my mind on him and his legacy because that's a bad, that's a tough opinion to hold, um, especially in this day and age. And it does just come down to you know money and selling shoes, and that's it's a damn shame because you know you want you want him to be on the leading edge of this and you want him and you know 
is his platform and the voice that he has to stand up for what's right. And it's a shame, but you know, hopefully LeBron James of all people can find his voice and speak up for injustices. Uh, it 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 is uh, a really shitty part of the LeBron James legacy, and will only be mentioned, um, not only mentioned, but it'll be heavily mentioned because it, it's a thing that happened so late in his career, juxtaposed to um, a a civil rights issue that then came up like immediately afterwards and was a pretty harsh contrast. But at the same time, again, I think if you take the the the, the larger scope of LeBron James, the guy good guy and gets a weird amount of hate you know he gets hate because he's not michael jordan guess what no one else is in fact michael jordan no one will ever be michael jordan that's kind of how you know dna works michael jordan seems like a really shitty dude oh yeah degenerate gambler and you know i don't want to say pathological liar about it but he's not exactly the most honest dude in the world no, uh, surrounded by sycophants. Yeah, I mean, who isn't at this point? You and me. We can't <laughs> afford them. Uh, fuck you, Josh. Thank you. Um, yeah. Oh, God. I just... Well, LeBron James, if you're listening, we appreciate you. <laughs> Please give us money. <laughs> Please. You have so much of it. <laughs> we, are, we are about mere poor folk. Uh, all right, so we touched on uh, uh, NHL, NBA. Um, is there anything to say with football before we move into a little bit of baseball, relatively statistic-y discussion? Um, uh, college football was on yesterday. I tried watching. I don't care. I just I do not care about college football this year, and it, it's it's a painful thing to claim. But at the same time, I just I. I could not get into it. I wanted to get into it. I did everything I can to get into it. I couldn't do it. Uh, and for that, I'm sorry. Wow, that's a huge, uh, huge comment from from Mr. Corwin Heller over here. Yeah, man. Like, maybe it'll change when Penn State, you know, starts playing. But as of now, it's not looking great. Oof. Ah, uh, all right. Well, then let's let's talk about some baseball. So we are uh, today, as we are recording, this is the final day of the 2020 MLB regular season. We did it, Corwin. We did it. Yeah. Fuck. We should do some break. Uh, I guess we should wait for after the playoffs for the bold predictions. Ah, uh, yeah. We'll give it a little bit. Um, especially because there's still time. I guess. So, um. First off, I was convinced we would not see this day. I was convinced that the MLB would find a way of ruining a good thing, as they have a long, bountiful track record of doing. Um, So, but we're here. So I figured we'd spend some time looking at, um, just kind of for fun, conversational topic, lighthearted. The 2020 Fangraphs odds uh, for teams that would make the playoffs versus how they actually did. Because I think there's a few, I think there's more than a few, actually, interesting deviations from that um, in in what actually happened. And I figured it'd be fun to chit-chat 
and talk about uh, what happened with it. So, uh, Lead the way, sir. Yeah. All right. Go. So I guess we'll start at the, the top of the Fangraphs page, which always starts off with America's favorite division, <laughs> the AL East. Um, they had the Yankees with a 48% chance of winning the division, a 91.4% chance of making the playoffs. The Rays, 33.3% chance of winning the division, 85.9% chance of making the playoffs. And then the third team from the AL East was the Red Sox, the 14% chance of winning the division, and a 64.7% chance of making the playoffs. And then I'll read, the Orioles is basically all zero. Um, the Blue Jays, 3.4% chance of winning the division, and then a 29.8% chance of making the playoffs. Now, the way this is actually shaking out, um, Yankees, Rays, and Blue Jays will all make the playoffs. Red Sox, I mean, did they even come close in your mind? With the, No, they're last in the division, 23 and 36. 16 yeah, I, games say, I don't know how anyone could view them as coming close. Um, and I understand this might have been pre-some of the injuries, but at the same time, they had to update these... Uh, these projections so late into the uh, so close to the beginning of the regular season due to all the, the shifts. I don't see how they, they would have the, the other way this shake shook out is that the Yankees did not win the division. The Rays did um, for which they only had a 34.3% chance and the Yankees, a 48% chance So Corwin. What do you think happened with the AL East here? Um, everyone in the world got hurt. Uh, you know, I'm, Basically. Not going to sit here and say in any capacity that this would have ended the way it did if it wasn't for the fact that the Yankees were fucking hurt the entire time. Um, you know, I definitely got to say, like, that's a big deal. Um, and man, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I really I do think the Yankees should have performed better uh, at the same time with the players they were playing with for most of the season. You know, I don't want to discount the Rays for what they did because they played out of their minds and they were fantastic. Um, but, you know, this was definitely a, an exception to expectations rather than what expectations should be moving forward. Yeah, um, the Yankees played severely hurt. They, of course, were down a lot of pitching uh, for a while. Tanaka didn't start the season on time. Um, James Paxton was never right and then had to leave and is on the uh, 60-day IL, and he probably has pitched his last game in pinstripes. And and then every, and then just every, everyone got hurt, every yeah. single person. And this worked out fine for the Yankees last year because all the next men up performed out of their gourd. Uh, but this year it just didn't. So it's a, uh, it's been a very odd. It feels like every Yankee game I watched this season, they either won twelve to three or lost twelve to three, and it's like there's just been no middle ground with this Yankees team, which is just so odd to see. The Rays, to their credit, also played with a fuck ton of injuries. Um, I think the way that their team is made up, which is a bunch of smaller role positions, and but just with a crazy amount of depth. I think that led them to have a more sustainable type of team makeup for the injuries. But at the same time, oh my God, so many injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, the real story here, because that's just, that's injury talk. The real story here is the Blue Jays, who had a a 30% chance of making the playoffs, which is which is fair enough. And then, and then we're uh, pretty early on, seeming like a lock to do it, and then did. 
um, it's great to see they their batting has stayed just about as good slash progressed as you would have hoped coming off of last season, and their pitching has been good enough. Good, yeah. <laughs> um, it really, I mean, they leapfrogged over the Red Sox pretty handily to make this make this postseason. It's pretty cool uh, yeah. to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have such high hopes for this team going forward with you know the depth of their prospects and everything you know like that. Uh, but man, it's uh, it's exciting for uh, for the Rays, you know. Yeah, yeah. Any uh, do you have any actual hope for them in the postseason? I do. I don't think they are going to be the favorites, uh, obviously, but uh, I do think that they are capable of of going pretty far. All right. Well, we'll look at um, projected playoff matchups and I guess at the end of it. Uh, so let's hop on down to the AL Central. They Fangraphs gave the Twins a 47.4% chance of winning the division and an 87.2% chance of making the playoffs. The Indians, a 30% chance of winning the division and a 77% chance of making the playoffs. And the White Sox, an 18% chance of making of winning the division and a 64% chance of making the playoffs. And then interestingly, they gave the Royals and the Tigers both over 10% chances of making the playoffs, which I find hysterical. Um, like, they gave the Orioles a 1.4% chance of making the playoffs, which feels pretty fair. Like, Baltimore is not a great team. Um but Baltimore fin- is going to finish either with the exact same record or two games above Detroit for like and and they gave Detroit a 12% chance of making the playoffs. I don't know where they thought that where they got that number from, but that that is fascinating. Um anyway, uh what do you think the story is here with the AL Central? Oh sorry, hold on. I didn't give the actual standings. My apologies. The actual standings. Sorry, Corwin. Uh I'll take it, it. It appears as though the Twins will win the division again. There's a little bit of wiggle room here because um, we're doing this mildly prematurely. Uh, 36 and 23, the, the Twins are probably going to win the division with the White Sox coming in second. Um, again, with a little bit of wiggle room between the, them and the Indians. Um, so a lot could happen today in terms of the final shaking out of these standings. Um, for instance, if the Twins lose and the White Sox win, I believe the White Sox will win the division, but Regardless, um, these teams are all basically in the, performed similarly slash the same. Anyway, Corbin, go ahead. Yeah, you know, I can't say I, I watched a significant amount of this division at all this season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the Twins are the Twins. You know, they, I think they were the clear favorites going, you know, through this the entire season. Um, I, I didn't exactly see them break the home run record this year. So what can I say? Well, I guess 60 games, that's not going to happen regardless. So there goes all of my points. Um, they'd, yeah, have no, hit, I, uh, they'd have to hit in 60 games. They'd have to hit what? Like seven home runs a game. I don't see why that's not doable. Well, I guess it didn't happen. So you right, see how, yeah. Um, who's your biggest surprise team for this? Oh, I don't see how you don't pick the White Sox for this. I, yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I'd been been punching them up for a, a while, but e- even then, I mean, like, it, 
they they are so neck and neck with everybody else in the division. It might not seem as preposterous as their season was, but their their season was preposterous. Their season was crazy good, especially when you look at the, what the ceiling of their performance was uh, throughout the season, which is virtually unstoppable. I mean, my God, this team is ridiculous, um, especially compared to what they uh, were thought to might have been. Like, Fangrass gave them an 18.5% chance of winning the wild card, winning a wild card spot. Like, this is this this team that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I'm just glad you got a chance to talk about the White Sox because I know how much you fucking love them. I love um, the White Sox. And my hat came in the mail. So yeah, I, you got a hat? Oh, I did get a hat. It's a really cool hat. I'll text you a picture of it later. Um, I'm still waiting for fucking Padres hats to get in stock. There's nothing. Uh, the entirety of San Diego just discovered they had a baseball team this year, man. What do you expect? I, I have literally checked the stock of San Diego Caps every single day since the beginning of September. And there's been absolutely nothing in my size. Not once. It's See, driving me nuts. This goes to show what type of bandwagon fan Corwin is, and that is late to the game. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's uh, almost as if we had an entire discussion about how late to the game I was. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll just have to wait until the Whites, so the uh, Padres World Series caps come out. Damn. Oh, boy. So That's, Josh, you are speaking my language. All right, let's get into a really wild division here. And I say that with no sarcasm because I say that because it sounded like I was being sarcastic. The AL West, the Astros were projected to win this division. 62% chance of winning the division, 94% chance of making the playoffs. The Athletics were given a 22% chance of winning the division and a 75% chance of making the playoffs. And the Angels were given a 11, 12% chance of winning the division. (laughs) And a 57.6% 57.6% chance of making the playoffs. And I will also give the Rangers brief mention for their 36% chance of making the playoffs. The way this shook out, <laughs> the Oakland Athletics are winning the division handily. 35 games uh, in the win column, 24 in the loss. The next highest team is Houston. Six games back, Houston will either finish this season with a 500 record or lower, and the Angels are going to finish this season seven games under 500, which in a 60-game season is so many games. And then the Rangers are going to finish this season at least 16, if not 19, games back um, under 500. A ludicrously bad season. Um, Oh my god, like ridiculous. So, in terms of Fangraph's project projections, they were very off when it came to Houston. Houston will make the playoffs because the second place team um, in each division automatically makes the playoffs, which is dumb for this reason. Um, so, they're technically correct in the make the playoff part, but we're super far off in terms of division winners. And then their make the playoffs for Angels and Rangers seems so dumb. Um, but anyway, Corey, what do you think? Um... Can we just appreciate that how if these weren't extended playoffs this year, uh, the Astros would have missed the playoffs? Yeah, that I know. fucking hilarious. That's what I'm saying. It's crazy. Um, I mean, yeah, like the Angels choke job is funny. 
um, the idea that uh, um, they were just that bad uh, when they had all rights to, you know, this was their year to contend. It's funny. It's sad for Mike Trout, but at the end of the day, it's still funny. Um, it's a shame because, of course, we all want Mike Trout to to do well. Um, you know, but good on the athletics for for doing their thing and uh, playing as as well as they did. You know, Matt Chapman. Uh, I don't know what else you want me to say. Matt Chapman. Um, yes, hurt. Yeah. How about those uh, Mariners, though? You know, Mariners. Yeah, they they were projected to finish last and instead finish third. That's a winning season for them. Um, right. The uh, my- the meme of uh, uh, you know the the SpongeBob meme where like Squidward's in like his house looking down on like SpongeBob Patrick like frolicking in the grass or the yeah. sand. The picture of the White Sox and Padres overlapping SpongeBob and Patrick and the Mariners of over Squidward made me fucking spit out my drink when I first saw it. That was one of the best that I've seen in a good while. I love that. Yeah, they are they are the most unproductively bad team in sports. And coming from a Jets fan, that's saying something. Um anyway. Yeah, I don't get and I, I get I don't understand how they make these projections in the first place. So I truly don't get um why the Angels and Rangers are here. Um because neither of those teams are good. And I uh, the Angels are tough because like yeah, they have Mike Trout, and yeah, they just signed Anthony Rendon, and that's well and good. It's a team devoid of pitching, and the Rangers had a weirdly relatively successful season last season that was buoyed by surprisingly better pitching, but they couldn't hit for shit. And yeah. I wouldn't put a I wouldn't have put any stock into that um, pitching maintaining only because it was seemingly so random. Outside of Lance Lynn, which again, why? Um, but yeah, this did not shake up in almost any way that the uh, Fangraphs odds had it, which is just fascinating. Um, so I guess let's go over to the National League, talking about the NL East. Um, this is also going to be an interesting division to talk about. Fangraphs had. The Nationals had a 33% chance of winning the division and a 77% chance of making the playoffs. The Braves a 28% chance of making of winning the division, 72% chance of making the playoffs. Mets 25% chance of winning the division, 68% chance of making the playoffs, and then the Phillies with a 12.5% chance of winning the division and a just about 50% chance of making the playoffs. The way this has actually shaken out so far, Atlanta will win the division. Miami, <laughs> the Marlins will finish second and have punched their playoff ticket. The Marlins had a 9.2% chance of making the playoffs um, in the Fangraphs model and are going. Fangraphs has also given them a 0% chance of winning the World Series. That's certainly higher at this point, only because now they're actually in the playoffs. Um, the Phillies are technically, this is where it gets a little bit funky, that Phillies are not currently in, but also not currently out. There are three teams whose uh, playoff future hinges upon today's games. So they are as 50-50 as you could possibly get, which is exactly where Fangraphs had them. So it seems very apt. 
And then the Mets are nine games back from the division, and the Nationals are 10 games back from the division. Neither of those two teams make the playoffs. Two teams that the Fangraphs projections had pretty high in terms of their likelihood to do so. So, Corum, what do you think about the NL East? I, I just, like, I don't know what is the most surprising that the Nationals would go from, you know, first to worst, that the Marlins would go from, it would be unthinkable that they are able to make the playoffs to actually doing it, or that Fangraphs genuinely thought the Mets had a nearly 70% chance of making the playoffs. Um, it's, I just don't get it. I don't know. Um, I, I'd love to see that the Marlins got in, you know, that's, that's so exciting for, you know, Derek Jeter and all his girlfriends. Um, I, 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 I can't help but feel for the Mets because God, that just, that must just be the worst feeling ever. Just like having to root for the Mets. Uh, probably, you know, I say this. You know exactly what that's like, so I don't want to rub it in too much. But I'll rub it in. Okay, uh, then, yeah, man, it, that must suck. That must be depressing. No, I, um, I gotta say it's worse for the Mets because, like, the past three seasons for the Jets, I've gone into the season saying this team will likely be bad, but let's hope we're productive. And then they're just worse than I thought, which is obviously frustrating because they're worse than I thought. But I also didn't think we were like gonna go to the playoffs. So I might put that in my bold predictions every year to give myself a modicum of hope and something to root for. But I don't actually think that. Um, the Mets, the on the other hand, can do it. The Jets can do it. I wish the Mets, on the other hand, like they in theory should be going to the playoffs. They have great pitching. They have some really good hitters and the and some decent bullpen pieces here and there. And yet. Those three things will never align for that team, and it is fucking perplexing. Um, the Nationals going first to worst, the fact it's worst, I'd say, is, is surprising. The fact that they're missing the playoffs, I don't think really is. They were a bad team at the start of last season, and with not enough games for them to do the full turnaround that they did last season, you go, okay, yeah. Like they were 19 and 31 to start the first 50 games of last season. They were 19 and 31 to start the first 50 games of this season. Like, you know, the Yankees are also notorious for starting slow. The Dodgers are notorious for starting hot. Like, there's some teams where, like, that's just kind of, like, how they're built, which over 162 games is fine. It'll all regulate. We don't really get that chance. Plus, uh, they lost Strasburg this year um, to injury, not to, like, anything else. Um, and then they lost Rendon to free agency. And, you know, it could happen. The Braves not being higher on this list for for making the playoffs and, and, and winning the division, being below the Nationals, I think is super weird. I think that's giving way too much credence to the Nationals for simply winning the 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 uh, World Series. And I say simply only because like it was a surprise when it happened. Um, it's not like it, they were at they were not favored, and I don't think a single one of their series. So just because they won doesn't mean that they were the obvious choice to do so. And right. then the Phillies feel so appropriate for right where they are. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So I guess we'll see what happens with that. By the time this episode gets released, you will obviously know what happens with the Phillies. We do not. That makes this more fun. Corwin, are you ready for the NL Central? Yes, sir. I don't think you are. All right. This is a tight, <laughs> tight division for four out of five teams. Um, <laughs> 
The Cubs had a 30% chance of winning the division, a 71% chance of making the playoffs. The Brewers had a 25% chance of winning the division and a 66% chance of winning making the playoffs. The Reds, a 24% chance of winning the division, a 65% chance of making the playoffs. The Cardinals, a 19% chance of winning the division, a 58% chance of making the playoffs. And they gave the Pirates a 14% chance of making the playoffs, which is fucking nuts to me. Um... Anyway, uh, the way this actually has shaken out so far, again, there are caveats here because there are these are the other two. Actually, I guess there's four teams now that I'm looking at the standings. Anyway, let me uh, get into it. The Cubs are going to win the division by they're they're up three games with one game left to play. The Cardinals and the Reds are both currently tied for second. Um, but because the Cardinals missed so many games earlier in the season, um, and they just have not gotten the chance to make, I guess, one of them up. So right now, the, the Cardinals are sitting at 29-28, and the Reds are sitting at 30-29. And I guess that that extra boost in win percent from having that extra game, is uh, at least that's a, what I'm assuming is the reason the Reds are technically clinched, whereas the Cardinals are not. Um, has allowed them to just be in a position to actually go to the postseason, whereas the um, Cardinals are aren't. <laughs> that that's that's that. Um, yeah. So anyway, the the Brewers are also sitting here at twenty nine and thirty. So in theory, if the Cardinals lose their game today and the Brewers win their game today. Both teams will have a 500 record, and I don't know what that means. Um, so I guess we'll find out. Any, any, anyway, um, and then the the Pirates finished 14 games back from the division. I don't know why this is a surprise to anybody. They finished with the worst record in baseball. Um, Corwin, what do you think of this uh, division? Uh, I don't know why you gave me hope that you were just going to forget about the Pirates for a minute and just... Let that sleeping dog lie. Um, no, no. Uh, you know what? At the end of the day, like I, I don't know why any of this is surprising. I mean, the Reds and the Cardinals being at five hundred. Yeah, okay. I'm surprised the Reds are there. I'm not surprised the Cardinals finished there. I'm not surprised the Brewers have basically uh, played themselves to a win in your in situation. Uh, I honestly am kind of surprised the Cubs have performed and are still at the top. Um, I kind of thought they were ready for a step back, but you know what? They're the Cubs. I think that's more on me for not really knowing why I would doubt them rather than the other way around. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is probably the least surprising outcome of all the divisions we're going to talk about. Yeah. I, I I agree with everything. I'm just so here. Let me let me make it easier. The way I would have thought this division would have shaken out is Brewers taking a slight step forward and locking in the division. Uh, the Cubs and Cardinals both taking something of a step back and you know either making or not making the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised by either team. And then the Reds being. Yeah, I think you said it right. 500 sounds right. Maybe a little bit lower, maybe a little bit higher. They'd be somewhere around there. Um, 
So the fact that any of these things are the way they are isn't surprising. It is weird to me that the Brewers are likely not to be in. They're the least likely to be in right now. Who do they play but, today? Do you know? Oh, I man. I, look it up. I've never known anything. None of They're us. They're playing the Cardinals. Anything. They're playing the Cardinals. Okay, so the Brewers are making the playoffs. Um, yeah. So I yeah I think I think you're right. I think this is a win you're in situation. Um, God, that the fact that they wouldn't try to adjust the rotation at all, where they have you know, was it Brian Anderson, Brett Anderson starting the game in a win in your end situation? Uh, but hey, you know what? I'm not an MLB manager, so I don't know these things. Oh Whatever, yeah, man. I, uh, Whatever. I I I have got nothing to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. All right, let's uh, let's jump on down to the NL West. So as the the as FanGraphs had it, um, the Dodgers had a seventy percent chance of winning the playoffs, a ninety five percent chance of making the playoffs. Is that the sorry seventy five percent seventy percent chance of winning the division? 95% chance of making the playoffs, which is the highest that was given out. Um, the Padres had a 17.6% chance of winning the division and a 68% chance of, of making the playoffs. The Diamondbacks had a sub-10% chance for the division and a 47% chance of making the playoffs. And then uh, the Rockies had a sub-5% chance of the division and a 28-29% chance of making the playoffs. Um, what do you think about the way this division has... Sh- oh, wait, I didn't... Damn it, Josh. I didn't read out the actual standings again. Um, so the Dodgers are going to the playoffs. Uh, yeah, th- this one this one makes sense. The Padres also going to the playoffs, standing so far this accurately. The Giants, whom I didn't even read because they were given um, a bottom-of-the-standings finish, a 12% chance of making the playoffs, are the fourth and final team that might end up making the playoffs depending on the result of today's game, sitting at 29 and 30. Uh, and then the Rockies and, um, I keep wanting to say Cardinals, Diamondbacks are both um, over 15 games out from the division and will not make the playoffs. Um, so anyway, Corwin, what do you think of the uh, NL West? Uh, you know what? Uh, the Giants doing as well as they did this year is probably the biggest surprise for me. I thought they were going to be one of the few dog shit teams in the MLB this year because, you know, I, I didn't exactly have a lot of hope. You know, Mike Yastrzemski coming out and breaking out the way he did. I guess continuing the breakout, he had a pretty damn good year last year as well. Um, is awesome to see. Uh, you got to like, you know, having a all-star caliber Yastrzemski in baseball is good for baseball. Um the Rockies and the Diamondbacks, I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, that's exactly what I expected out of both of them. The Dodgers are exactly what I expected out of them too. But, you know, on the opposite side of that coin, I mean, they played up to expectations and in a season that was going to be guaranteed to be as wacky as it ended up being. Um, I mean, I, I don't think we should discredit their ability to win, you know, over 70% of their games. They won 42 games this year. That's incredible. Um, you know, it easily could have, you know, one one mistake, one issue, one slump could easily have snowballed into, you know, a, a difficult season for the Dodgers, but they are just so deep 
while also being so talented at the top that uh, it was going to be real tough for them to not perform, and they lived up to it. And you know what? The Padres, man. Uh, you know what? I'm so, so unbelievably happy that I rolled with this team this year and was able to to experience this kind of a season where it's such a young, exciting team finally, you know, pulling it all together. Like, sure, you could call me a bandwagon fan. I'm never going to argue that point with you. You know, we literally debated me getting rid of my, I don't want to say lifelong, but, you know, my quote-unquote favorite team to find someone new. Obviously, it's going to be a bandwagon. That's how it works. Um, but I, I'm so, so in love with this team, and I really hope they do great things in the playoffs, and I fully expect them to. Um, but what a, what a fun outcome for, for San Diego. Yeah, I know. Fucking ridiculous. Like, um, I, I thought they'd have, like, a good season, maybe, you know, have a, a 550, 575 win percentage. That would be a great year. 610, 36 and 23 is unreal. That's amazing. I, I I know, man. I know. Um, in terms of discussing the percentages versus the actuality, nothing crazy here. Like Dodgers making the playoffs was a lock. The, the fact that they predicted the Padres being this great is super cool to see, especially because they were right. Um, and then the Giants are a surprise, but you could have told me any of the final three teams were like a weird long shot. Hey, they made the playoffs. And I would go, oh, okay, because that's kind of like baseball. Um, so anyway, let's uh before we get into the current playoff matchups, I found an article explaining what's happening today. Um which is of course going to be dated by the time this episode comes out, but I'm still fascinated in this. So the Cardinals if need be can make up one or two games of a doubleheader against Detroit on Monday if it if the games affect who makes the postseason. So this could actually end up being further subject to change come uh, end of day today. So there's a number of scenarios. If the Cardinals and Giants win their games, they are both in. Uh, Two-way ties. A two-way tie for the final spot could occur if the Brewers defeat the Cardinals. If the Giants lose and the Phillies win, this would result in the Brewers and Cardinals heading to the postseason without St. Louis having to play additional games. The Cardinals own a tiebreaker over the Giants and a better divisional record over the over their past 20 games than the Phillies. And another two-way tie might happen if the Cardinals defeat the Brewers and the Giants and the Phillies both lose. This will result in a playoff berth for the Cardinals and the Brewers because Milwaukee owns a better intra-divisional record than San Francisco. And then there's a three-way tie. Um, should the Cardinals beat the Brewers, the Giants lose, and the Phillies win, that would give the seventh seed to the, to the, to the Cardinals. And a three-way tie for the AC because the Giants, Phillies, and Brewers don't have head-to-head records. Their postseason futures would be decided by the superior intra-division record, which belongs to the Phillies. This is the Phillies' only way into the postseason. Anyway, uh, their actual odds of getting in, according to the score, is um, 96% chance for the Cardinals, 67% chance for the Brewers, 23% chance for the Giants, and a 13% chance for the Phillies. So. Anyway, that's that. Um, figure that would just be a little bit of fun mental exercise for us. The current Josh, matchups. I just want to say, are mental exercises usually fun for you? Because they're usually a lot of work for me. And I don't know. That, that's I'm, I'm confused still. 
as always. They're, they they are usually fun for me, but uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh anyway. Uh, so I guess we'll start with the American League. As it stands right now, we have the one seed Tampa Bay Rays against the eight seed Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, first thoughts? We'll just move through these quickly, I guess. Um, I, I missed I missed what you were saying. I was still trying to think of exercises mentally. Uh, Rays number one seed Rays against the eight seed Blue Jays. Uh, I, I'm picking the Rays all the way. I mean, yeah, the Blue Jays are still that up and coming team. Just you know, if it's a full series, I d- I don't see how the Blue Jays could pull that off. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. Oh no! The next matchup would be the five seed Yankees against the four seed White Sox. Ooh, um, how a terrible day for Josh. How healthy do you expect the Yankees to be? In all honesty. Um, 95 percent everybody but luke Voigt. okay then i would have a lot of uh hope in the yankees pulling that off um i was gonna say if they're still going in hurt uh the white Sox are hot you know i I could definitely see well actually i don't know if luis robert ever worn back up after that Mm, excuse me long cold streak but yeah i gotta give this one to the yankees too deep it is really tough to say i would hate to be an actual pundit who actually had to pick this but anyway um the the three seed a's against the six seed astros a's a's 100 percent. not even close right yeah no um the two seed twins against the seven seed indians I'm going to go with the Indians here. They're hot right now. Uh, Jose Ramirez is that offense, but at the same time, their pitching staff is so dominant. Um, I could see all of them, you know, all of these games being incredibly low scoring. Um, You know, I know the Twins offense is what it is. I just don't think, you know, their pitching can live up to the task. And, you know, that's what the postseason's about. Um, Oh, I navigated away from the page. Sorry. Yeah, I I don't these two teams are separated by a lot of numbers in terms of two and seven, but they are separated by shockingly little in, in the standings. Like this is this is a tight uh uh matchup right here. I have no confidence in either team's ability to pull away with anything. If I had to give somewhere, I think I would give the Indians as well, just because I think they're almost locked in for a win with the Shane Bieber start, which means they only need to win one other game in a three-game series, and uh, I think they can. So, (laughs) anyway. Alright, so that's it for the AL, and again, subject to some changes here in terms of seedings and standings on both sides, but I guess let's really quickly just see what uh, the NL looks like, because I, despite, again, some seedings and seeding and standing changes, I don't think there's going to be too much difference here between now and 10 hours from now. Dodgers in the one seed, Brewers in the eight. Who do you take? Dodgers. Not even worth talking about. Um, Padres in the four seed against the Cardinals in the five seed. I I don't think this would end up being a, 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 Close matchup. I'm going Padres. Uh, that being said, you know our our pitching did take a hit. Clevenger's hurt. Lamette is hurt. Um, Paddock is not the Paddock of old. Uh, actually, I I might think that might be a close series if if none of those guys are healthy. 
I would still take the Padres in a heartbeat. Um, I would too. Uh, three seed Cubs against the six seed Marlins. Give me the Marlins. Yeah, so this is a this is a really weird matchup. This I think is the first or second um, most interesting matchup in the National League because yeah, the Cubs have a lot of clout around the name. It's the Cubs. Um, They have a very recent history of being a good team. You know, they won the World Series like three, four, four years ago, um, and have been dancing around contention to a serious degree or to somewhat of a serious degree since then. Um, and well, hey, look at that winning the division this year. And the Marlins are like weird and snuck into the season, into the postseason, and weren't supposed to be any good and suddenly kind of are. Um, so it might seem like this would be a cakewalk for the, the Cubs, but the Cubs are a really up and down team. Like their pitching is either entirely there or absent. Their bats have been weirdly quiet. This is like the worst season of Javi Baez's entire career. Um, this is a weird season for the Cubs and honestly catching on to a hot Marlins team. I mean, I I'd personally love to see the Marlins because I am, as we all know, a fan of team chaos and want to see the Marlins just be weird and continue their stretch of never losing a postseason series for at least a little while. Um, but we'll fucking see anyway. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things where I, I wouldn't put money on the Marlins, but boy, I'm going to be rooting for them hard. Same here. We should uh, we should take a, a hat bets at some point. I think that'd be a fun little bet for us. Not for yeah. all the games, but like some games. Yeah, I'm done. Uh, anyway, that brings us to what might be 1A or 1B, depending on who you are, for what I would think would be the most interesting series in the National League. The number two Braves against the number seven Reds. Who you got? Man, this is tough, just because... I think if Trevor Bowers locked in, that is going to be a, a tough, tough matchup to win. Um, but again, it really just comes down to can the Reds' offense produce anything, which is a fairly good question. Um, but I think, I, I think I'd have to give the series to the Braves. Yeah, God, it's so hard because the Reds' pitching is so unbelievably good. And their offense is just not. And I just, I can't, like, it's the postseason. I, I fully expect, you know, Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, you know, Trevor Bauer, if it goes to three games, you know, all of these guys to pitch dominant games. I just, I don't know if they're going to score any runs. So it's tough. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'll give it to the Reds. Why not? Yeah, that's the thing. The is, I, I want to pick. The Braves, like, um, I want to, I want to pick them with, with, like, my gut reaction is to pick them. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. Um, for a lot of the same reasons I just talked about the Cubs, but at the same time, like, really looking at the teams, I mean, it's not, it's not. I don't think a huge. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think the Braves are a huge uh, amount better than the Reds, like anywhere. Um, they're they're hitting. At the top end is so much better. Okay, it's actually, you know what? That is the the, the big difference. Um, the the Braves as a team one seventeen OPS plus. The Reds as a team eighty eight. Um, oh wow, this is this is a sad stat. You ready for this? Yeah. Team total OPS plus for the Reds eighty eight. 
non-pitcher total OPS plus for the team, 87. No. It's worse. How is it worse? Why is there pitcher hitting? There's a DL now. Uh, a DH. I Oh, because one. DL. God, I'm stupid. Um, Yeah, that's actually a great question. There is one single plate appearance from a pitcher, and he scored a run because he got hit by a pitch. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Any anyway, um, yeah. It, so it comes down to, the, to I I think you know all postseason series come down ultimately to either pitching or home runs, and this is really that this is that series incarnate because uh, on the pitching end, you got Trevor Bauer one seventy three ERA. Luis Castillo, 3.21 ERA, and Sonny Gray, 3.73 ERA. Those are three very good pitchers. And I know ERA is not the end-all, be-all, but I'm trying to keep this brief. Um, and then you look at the Braves, and they have Max Fried and his 2.25 ERA. Phenomenal. Kyle Wright and his 5.21 ERA. And then Ian Anderson and his 1.95 ERA, which is phenomenal in 32 innings pitch. And I... I'm going to be honest. I do not have full confidence that I know who he is. Um, Prospect that got called up, you know, fairly yeah. recently. 22. Wow, he is 22. That's crazy. Um, anyway, and I, I would I would give the the le- the leverage in that spot over to the Reds, but like you said, the Braves hitting is so good, and the Reds hitting is wildly confusing. So. <laughs> I don't know. I want to see what the Reds lineup looks like, just just to just, see if I have confidence in any one of them of being able to to produce offense this year. As it stands right now, I'll say player position, name, and OPS plus in that order. Catching Tucker Barnhart, seventy five. First base Joey Votto, one hundred nine. Second base Mike Mustakis, one eleven. Shortstop Freddie Galvis, eighty five. Third base, Eugenio Suarez, 101. Left fielder, Shogo Akiyama, 78. Center field, Nick Senzel, 61. Uh, right field, Nicholas Castellanos, 105. And DHing Jesse Winker, 141. Jesse Winker, that's probably the only one I have actual confidence in performing uh, consistently. The disrespect um, to Joey Votto here. Listen, Joey Votto is like 65 years old. He is 36. He's not hitting any homers in this postseason. Uh, I don't know, maybe. Um, Not likely. Joey Votto, third most home runs on the team. Yeah. Oh, wait, sorry. How many home runs does he have? Hold on. Sorry. I was looking at doubles. Um, Joey Votto, fourth most home runs on the team. He's 11. Wow. Okay. 11 is more than I thought he'd have. Eugenio Suarez has 15, Nick Castellanos with a, with 14, Jesse Winker with 12, and that's everyone. Shogo Akiyama, I have no idea who this is. He has 181 plate appearances this year. How many home runs do you think he has? One. Zero. Yeah. Wow. Aristides Aquino. Not, not playing well. I was looking him up because I, I know who he is and expected him to be hitting home runs. Uh, 44 at bats, 182 average, two home runs, 662 OPS. After 250 at bats last year, hitting 244 with 21 home runs and an 847 OPS. 
Um, yeah, he came out so hot last year. It was so exciting, and I was I was um, so hopeful tough. for him this year. Yeah. Oh, that's what everyone said about Reese Hoskins, and we saw how that turned out. Yeah, very true. He is fine. Fine. Um, yeah, that's exactly how I would describe Reese Hoskins at this point in his career. He's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I have one last thing I want to talk about, and then we can wrap it up. Um, oh, is that for you? Okay. Uh, is it still on baseball? Yes. Okay. So, so cool. do you know who Tyler Wade is on the Yankees? Yes. Not yeah, good. he... That, right. <laughs> good Good start. Um, he uh, He's the Yankees' backup shortstop. He's been... Playing a lot this season just because we've had a lot of infield injuries. Uh, Gleyber Torres missed a decent chunk of the season. Blah, 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 blah. Um, Tyler Wade is going to finish the season with more war than Gleyber Torres. What? So as how, it stands, is, how many games has Gleyber played in? So um, I'm going to get there. But as it stands right now, Tyler Wade has... And again, there's one game left, but I don't think this is going to change. Um, significantly anyway. Tyler Wade, 0. 0.5 war. Glaber, negative 0. 0.2 war. A difference of 0. 0.7. Um, their individual lines, Glaber Torres played in 41 games, 156 plate appearances, and his slash line, 271, 341, 494, good for an 835 OPS and a 1... Oh, sorry, that's his career line, Josh, you idiot. Um, 242, 359, 371, good for a 730 OPS and a 104 OPS plus. Tyler Wade this season, 51 games, 102 plate appearances, and a slash line of 176, 291, 318, a 615 OPS and a 71 OPS plus. Oh my God. So Tyler Wade, not fucking good at hitting. So if you are unfamiliar with baseball, you might say, well, why is there such a difference between their war? Which is, again, the catch-all stat that is supposed to capture a complete uh, player's performance. Well, let's look at O-war versus D-war. So Tyler Wade, this season, provided 0.7 O-war and 0.5 D-war. Now, there's obviously he lost 0.2 somewhere in there to bring him to his current season total of 0.5 because otherwise this makes no sense. Um, Glaber Torres, 0.7 OR, literally over triple, three and a half times Tyler Wade's, but negative 0.7 DWAR. And this begs a question that I think we've often talked about, and now it seems like we have a pretty good example. Corwin. Do you give a shit about defense? Who do you take? Uh, I mean, obviously, I, you care about defense. Um, but I feel like in a vacuum, it's really hard to not go with offense because it has such a direct impact on runs and on scoring. Whereas, you know, you may not be the best defender, but at the same time, you know, one guy on base for a single because you bobble a ball or, you know, it passes through your glove, whatever it may be. That's not always the end of the world. Whereas, you know, having a such a terrible 
offensive, you know, stat line like Tyler Wade does versus what Glaber can, you know, the Yankees, I think that outweighs the defense, obviously. And I think most Yankees fans will agree. Um, it's just, God, I, I wish I didn't have the names attached because I feel like I'd give a, a much more unbiased answer because I've seen Glaber Torres play baseball and he's fantastic. I've seen Tyler Wade play baseball, and it's nearly unwatchable. Um, but it's hard because it is the shortstop position where defense is such a, a key aspect to it. Um, I, I don't think I could give you a definitive answer regardless. I think there's just too much context and too much, you know, it comes down to, you know, each individual decision or comparison and things like that. But you know, Matt Chapman's one of my favorite players. You know, obviously defense is spectacular. Offense, you know, Matt Chapman's no slouch on offense. He's fantastic, but he's known for his defense. That's always great to see, but uh, if I had to pick, I guess, you know, gun to my head, I'd pick offense because it produces runs. Yeah, and and the thing is, I... I certainly understand the importance of defense because if you have bad defense your games last longer than you want them to and you might ultimately lead you to losing games you should have won or really just putting stress on your pitchers that otherwise wouldn't have been there and all of that has a very tied together effect on the other hand hitting home runs is so much better and people uh, viewers and i think in my in my mind, I have no proof. Um, in front offices, you look at a guy with bad defense and a great bat, and you go, "Man, that defense is bad." But you got to keep playing him because that bat's ridiculous. Whereas mm-hmm. you look at a guy with good defense and a bad bat, and you go, "I need him to get the fuck away from me." Or really, what you look at him and go, "That is a defensive replacement in the eighth inning when we're winning." Because yeah. um, the thing about Good bats, bad gloves, is that the only reason you see them a lot is because teams are willing to put the bad glove on the field. Yeah. I mean, with how common the shift is, you can you can make up for that bad defense to a degree. Yeah, um, and just you, in general. You can't like, produce runs, will it? You can't artificially inflate runs. You can't. No, no, there there there, there is no true shifting to, to account for so like To illustrate my point, Tyler Wade has 102 plate appearances this season. That is the second most of his career. His 51 games is the highest. Like, so in 2019, 43 games, 108 plate appearances. It was brutal. He somehow scraped together 0.30 war, and I find that hard to believe. Um, 2018, 36 games, 70 plate appearances, 0.2. OR, sorry, negative 0.2 OR. And in 2017, 30 games, 63 plate appearances, negative 0.4 OR. That all combines for a zero OR over the course of four seasons. Glaber Torres is OR by season. 2018, 123 games, 484 plate appearances, 3.2 OR. Um, 2019, 144 games, 604 plate appearances, 4.2 OR. And then this season, 41 games, 156 plate appearances, 0.7 OR, not his best season. But the, the point being that that accumulation matters a whole lot. 
If you look at his DWAR, it's 0.9, positive 0.9, I should say, and then negative 0.5, negative 0.7. The only reason that negative DWAR is allowed to accumulate is because the OR it's uh, accumulates right beside it accumulates at such a higher pace and rate than the DWAR does. And honestly, even if it didn't, it doesn't matter that much. At the end of the day, defense matters to an extent, and that extent is either buoyed or sunken by your bat. Absolutely. And, and to take a long-term view on it, like no one is going to say the Yankees should start benching Gleyber Torres for Tyler Wade. Like, because that's just ridiculously stupid. I mean, it's un- that's unfathomably stupid because of, again, how much less defense matters and how much more offense matters. Um, but furthermore, it's dumb because long-term, you I would almost expect everybody to get worse at defense because that involves moving around, whereas hitting doesn't involve nearly as much moving around. Um, Unless you're Mike Trout, then you just get better at defense with age. Like a fine wine. Or you could, or you could be like Nelson Cruz and just hit home runs, so you don't have to keep jogging out those doubles. So true. <laughs> um, so to take a long term perspective on it, the bat, the bat matters even more in the long term than 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 um, defense ever will. And not e- even if you're not participate or, or expecting, predicting, I should say, uh, a decline in anything. It's so much easier to find a defensive replacement and then move uh, an offense first player off of his previously defense laden spot to someplace less defense laden or in the American League to the DH to eventually have a different player fill in the gap at shortstop or wherever it is you're looking to fill it in. You can't do that with good defense. You're never going to like you're never going to pass up a chance to have someone phenomenal on offense. Um take a take a spot away from somebody who's phenomenal on defense because we really can't live without his defense. That's not, stupid. Yeah, you're not benching like Mike Trout for Billy Hamilton or, you know, uh Jackie Bradley Jr. It's just not gonna happen. Right, exactly. Mike Trout is a bad is a bad choice as he's like, so good at everything. Yeah, because he's yeah. Mike Trout. But like like uh uh, Adam Engel, or like you said, Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, like you, you're not going to bench Aaron Judge for Jackie Bradley Jr. at the beginning of the game. You might want to do that at the end of the game because Jackie Bradley Jr.'s defense is so fucking good. Um, but his bat's terrible. But you wouldn't do it at the beginning of a game when you need runs. And again, that's tough because Aaron Judge is also a very good defender. Who's a bad defender in the outfield? Uh, I don't know. I, like I was trying to think of like someone specific, uh, and I I couldn't really pull. JD Martinez. Off. Yeah, but he doesn't play center field though. You know, he plays right usually. Right, but I I, I was specifically thinking center field because it is an actual defensive focused position. That is right true. Field, right field is where you put the rejects. You know. No, left field is where you put the rejects. Oh uh, right, right field is where you put the guys with a uh, cannon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they might not get to it quick enough, but oh boy, they can send it. Um, any anyway, because you know you look down the road. I, I, again, with with the Yankees, it's a little bit complicated because you got DJ LeMahieu, and there's a whole big infield shuffling going on. But you can find if you really need to, you'll find a spot for a good bat. 
you're not no one no team is trying to cram as many super awesome defenders that are also shit batters in a lineup. No. Anyway, that that that's the tangent I wanted to go on, and I have nothing outside of that. You know, it's the way it is. Do you got anything, or shall we wrap up for today? Uh, uh, not on baseball. Uh, Julio Jones is inactive today, so those of you who will be listening to this after they play their game, uh, make note of that. <laughs> yeah, for some uh, for some post or uh, yeah post fantasy game tips uh, make sure you benched julio jones yesterday <laughs> uh i feel like i did have something for football um i don't remember what it is anymore so shit out of luck uh apparently a reporter for the jets or i guess on the jets um and it doesn't i don't know who he is it doesn't matter just said on espn that jets management um is is considering moving on from Adam Gase as they have Ooh. finally been exposed to some of the noise coming from outside of the organization. You mean, is that like quote? They said noise. Uh, that's at least what the tweet says. But if I, I would imagine that's basically the idea here. I mean, if that's what you want to call people screaming at you for, you know, hiring that guy. Sure. Yeah. Noise is, a word I would use. It's not the first yeah. word I would use, but it's a word. It's astonishing that like now they're getting there when people have been screaming about this this hire since it happened a year and a half ago. But either way, yeah. So the, the I just saw another one that said, uh, "Keep an eye on the status of Adam Gase this week." So this might be a. Uh, a a win or lose your job kind of position for Adam Gase this Sunday, which I now make any sense. so it, hope I, the Jets I, lose. Sorry, I just I heard you say Go that, ahead. and just like if this is a win and you're in type situation for Adam Gase, what the fuck have the last twenty weeks been? If if this game is what your job hinges on, what the fuck are you doing? Oh uh, yeah, we'll let you go one and seven to start off the sophomore year of our pro- hopefully franchise quarterback. But if you lose week three to the Colts, ooh boy, you're out. I I don't get it either. It's fucking stupid. But if this is what it takes to get this fucking crazy eyed, coked up son of a bitch away from the team, I'll whatever, man. I I'm all aboard. Uh so fucking Jets, man. I know. I, so I guess hopefully when we uh, convene to record next Wednesday for the Thursday episode, we have some good news to talk about, but I guess we'll oh, see. Oh, man. It, that'll be like fucking Christmas if it ends up being like that, you know? If, yeah. if we get to come on and record and talk about how the Jets had moved on from Adam Gase, it'll be Christmas. Especially now would be such a good time to, see, to give a, a few weeks to evaluate Darnold to see if we can revisit that trade conversation because if you get a few weeks of non-Adam Gase production and Darnold looks really good then maybe you think about hanging on and and you know taking whatever pick you get to try to build around him and if he doesn't look that great well maybe maybe you you and I'm just saying you know trade him at his absolute nadir and value but still you might be a little bit more willing to look into that trade anyway doesn't matter I'm getting ahead of myself let's fire Gase first
Um, All right. Anything else? Nope. All right. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuiceTheNumbers at gmail.com. And until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.